We have a problem. Arctic lakes are drying up. Now you may wonder why this is an issue and what's causing this phenomena. Well, in today's episode, we're going to dive into this topic and unravel the mystery of the disappearing lakes. But before we do that, if you enjoy these episodes and want to support this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could give me a review. It really helps the algorithm. Anyway, back to the interesting stuff. In a brand new study published in the journal Nature Climate Change magazine, postdoctoral researcher Elizabeth Webb and her team used satellite data to analyze the changes in surface water across the Pan-Arctic region, which spans the northern parts of Canada, Russia, Greenland, Scandinavia, and Alaska. And they found that over the past 20 years, Arctic lakes have shrunk or dried completely in many areas. Why did this happen? And why should we care? Well, you're in the right place. Because I'm your host, Mr. Earth Guy, and you're listening to Earth SciShow. Arctic lakes are important for many reasons. For one, they provide fresh water for local indigenous communities and industries. They support a rich biodiversity of plants and animals, including threatened and endangered species. They also influence the climate by reflecting sunlight and storing carbon. But Arctic lakes are also vulnerable to climate change. The Arctic is warming nearly four times faster than the rest of the world, causing glaciers to melt, ice to retreat, and permafrost to thaw. Permafrost is the frozen soil that covers much of the Arctic land. It contains a lot of organic matter and greenhouse gases that have been trapped for thousands of years. When permafrost thaws, it releases these gases into the atmosphere, which can further accelerate global warming. Scientists had predicted that climate change would initially expand lakes across the tundra due to the land surface changes resulting from melting ground ice. But Webb's study shows that this is not the case. Instead, it appears that thawing permafrost may drain lakes and outweigh this expansion effect. Now you may be thinking, how does this happen? Well, Webb explains that thawing permafrost may create drainage channels and increase soil erosion into the lakes. This can lower the water level and make the lakes disappear altogether. The study also found that increases in autumn rainfall can cause permafrost degradation and lake drainage. This is because rainwater carries heat into the soil and accelerates permafrost thawing. The implications of this lake decline are serious. Not only does it affect the water availability and quality of life for humans and wildlife, but it also has feedback effects on the climate. For example, Webb says that the lake expansion causes carbon losses orders of magnitude higher than occurs in surrounding regions. This means that losing lakes may actually slow down the release of carbon from permafrost. However, this does not mean that the lakes drying is a good thing for the climate. Webb warns that permafrost thawing is occurring even faster than expected, and the region is likely on a trajectory towards more landscape-scale drainage in the future. So what can we do to stop or slow down these changes? Well, Webb says that the best way to save permafrost and lakes is by cutting fossil fuel emissions. Reducing carbon emissions could limit global temperature rise and prevent further warming of the Arctic. She also says that we need to act now before it's too late. But how much time do we really have? And how much difference can we make? Well, to answer these questions, we need to look at some other studies that have examined the future of permafrost and its impact on climate change. 
One study published in Environmental Research Letters used a global model to estimate how much carbon would be released from permafrost under different scenarios of human emissions. The study found that if we follow a high emission scenario, which assumes continued reliance on fossil fuels, permafrost could release up to 174 gigatons of carbon by 2100. This would increase global temperatures by 0.29 degrees Celsius on top of the warming caused by human emissions alone. However, if we follow a low emission scenario, which assumes rapid decarbonization and negative emission technologies, permafrost could only release 37 gigatons of carbon by 2100. This would increase global temperatures by 0.06 Celsius compared to human emissions alone. What's more interesting is the study also found that there was a lag between human emissions and permafrost response. This means that even if we do stop emitting carbon today, permafrost will continue to thaw and release carbon for decades or centuries to come. However, this also means that if we reduce our emissions today, we can avoid much more permafrost carbon release in the future. Another study published in Frontiers in Environmental Science used a regional model to assess how different types of permafrost ecosystems would respond to climate change. This study focused on three regions in Canada, a boreal forest, peatland, and tundra. The study found that each region has different sensitivities and feedbacks to climate change. For example, a boreal forest has a large amount of carbon stored in deep organic soils that are vulnerable to fire and thermocasks. This is when the ground collapses due to melting ice. The study projected that boreal forest could lose up to 40% of its carbon by 2100 under a high emission scenario and up to 20% under a low emission scenario. Peatland, on the other hand, has a large amount of carbon stored in shallow peat that is resistant to decomposition but sensitive to drying. The study projected that peatland could lose up to 30% of its carbon by 2100 under a high emission scenario and up to 10% under a low emission scenario. Tundra, on the other hand, has a large amount of carbon stored in frozen soils that are protected by thin layers of vegetation and snow. The study projected that tundra could lose up to 20% of its carbon by 2100 in a high emission scenario and up to 5% in a low emission scenario. The study also found that each region has different potential for carbon uptake by plants. For example, boreal forest and tundra could increase their carbon uptake by up to 10% by 2100 under a low emission scenario. This is due to longer growing seasons and CO2 fertilization. However, peatland could decrease its carbon uptake by up to 10% by 2100 under a high emission scenario. This is due to drought stress and nutrient limitations. The study concluded that the fate of permafrost carbon depends not only on the amount of warming, but also the type of ecosystem and the interactions between soil, vegetation, water, and fire. The study also highlighted the importance of regional models that can capture these complex dynamics and provide more accurate projections for management and policy. These studies show that we still have a chance to save permafrost and its ecosystems, but we need to act fast and decisively. Reducing our emissions and protecting natural sinks are the most effective and ethical ways to prevent dangerous climate change and preserve the Arctic for future generations. But that's all for today's episode on Earth SciShow. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more updates on the Arctic. And please remember to share this podcast with at least one friend. And if you could leave a review, that would really support the channel. You've been listening to Earth SciShow. And I'm your host, Mr. Earth Guy. And remember, stay curious. Thank you.